Hello, and welcome to The Burning Castle, where each week we take a journey with someone who's looking at a world on fire and asking how they can bring their own form of iconoclastic change to make things a little or a lot better. For those who aren't familiar, The Burning Castle is a reference to the original iconoclast Abraham, who sees a burning world and asks if there's no master at home to put out the flames. The response he receives is to go out and become a stronger person so he can create a better world. With your host, Ashley Rinsberg. Hello, and welcome to The Burning Castle. This is your host, Ashley Rinsberg. Today, we'll be talking to Jennifer Lang, an American, Israel-based nonfiction writer, writing teacher, and yoga instructor. Jennifer, who earned an MFA at the Vermont College of Fine Arts currently runs Israel Writers Studio, one of the very few, if not the only, places where English language writers in Israel can gather to learn, share, and improve their craft. Jennifer's writing has appeared in outlets like NPR and the Baltimore Review. She's recently finished her first memoir. You can check out Jennifer on Facebook at Israel Writers Studio and on the web at israelwritersstudio.com. Just as a reminder, this episode was recorded back when the show was called The Meaning Creators, in case you hear that name pop up in the interview. Now, on to the episode. So to start off, let's just have you tell us about yourself. What are you doing? How do you, you know, what, what's, how do you identify in terms of your work, your creative work, and that kind of stuff, anything you want to talk about. Just I'm American, living in Israel, living in Tel Aviv, and I founded the Israel Writers Studio in, I really started calling it that in 2016-17, but I've been teaching, where I teach, and I host guest master classes, other writers who teach, and I host literary salons, but I really was teaching before that name. So I started teaching back in New York in 2009, and we moved here in 2011, and it wasn't as apparent how I was going to continue the teaching, and I had to figure it out. And I got to a point of, if something doesn't exist, then you have to create it, which is, there aren't here in a non-English speaking country, there aren't institutions and organizations that offer writing classes in English. Mm-hmm. It is not a given to find, you know, where to teach. So I started through AACI, Association of Americans and Canadians in Israel. I was teaching classes with them and we had a whole deal of how we were going to price it and what I paid and what all of that. And that went on for a couple of years. They marketed the class. I taught in their premise in Tel Aviv and it was lovely and it was nice. And then I reached a point where through word of mouth, through um, being more established in the city where I was living and using Facebook more, that I had more response directly to me and that I could actually bring the classes home. So I started teaching in my home, I think 2014. I also took time off. Oh, I'm sorry. I took time off in 2014 because I went to pursue a master's of fine arts in writing in America. And that was a two year program. But in the midst of it, people were emailing me and asking if I was going to be teaching again. And I took it as a sign. 
And so that's, that's why I came back 2015-16, created Israel Writers Studio, and just teaching in my home. It's always my curriculum, if you will. And it's mm-hmm. really me taking what I've learned in classes I've taken or during my MFA and thinking, how would I have wanted to have been given this information? How did I learn what I, what I know and how do I want to give it back out? And just moving from that place. And also I was working for myself. I, I'm a yoga instructor. And so I'd already had my own studio, knew how to use Facebook to market, knew how to introduce myself to people and say, hi, I'm Jennifer. I, I'm a writer and I teach writing. So it just, you know, it goes from that place. I think, mm-hmm. you know, either have that in your, in you or you don't, and you have to be relentless actually. Relentless to, and, to, get, the, to get the word out, to get people. To yeah. Get just to, to mark, to market yourself. Yeah. Yeah. And why, um, why, what, what gave you that ability to be relentless when it came to this particular thing? I don't know. I actually don't know, but I've really learned that I am a self-starter. I don't know because I didn't do all this for myself in the States. In the States, I worked for, you know, X number of yoga studios and for, you know, adult school communities teaching writing. Like I had employers, so I I don't, I can't actually answer that, but I know I want to work and I know that I have to work and I know that it feeds something in me. I'm not just a writer who writes. That's, you know, only a part of it for me. I think if there's anything I've learned, it's that I'm a teacher. Mm-hmm. So I want to, I want to use that. I want to do that. It's, um, it, it's really echoing. When I interviewed Ashkol Nevo two, three weeks ago, he was, I was asking him how he became a writer and he said he'd always wanted to be a teacher. And mm-hmm. that for, for him, a lot of the best part about being a writer is being able to be a teacher. And that's where he finds this kind of level of fulfillment, uh, the writing as well. But like, I don't know, there's something energized about his voice when he was talking about the teaching in particular. Mm-hmm. And not everyone who writes teaches. Sure. Sure. Of course. It's, right. a, it's, a, it's a personality type. I think it's what kind of interaction you want to have. Because as we all know, writing is a very lonely endeavor. And teaching, I imagine, I mean, I've done a bit of it, but it, doesn't seem that way. It seems that because it's about the engagement, because it's about connecting, that it's almost a bit of a counterbalance to that. Because the loneliness of writing can be very corrosive, as you know, as we all know, it kind of gets. Yeah. You. But what about the yoga? How does that fit into the picture? Because being a writer, being a teacher, and being a yoga instructor—I mean, maybe there's some triangle there. But explain. Well, so the comical part. So um, I had a yoga studio in our former, we were living in a suburb of Tel Aviv and I had a studio for eight years and it was wonderful and it grounded me. It kept me here. Um, But it also started to really interfere with the writing. I would sit down at my desk at eight in the morning and at nine, my buzzer would ring for class. And I was like, I I, I was done. Um, And then we started planning to downsize and to move to an apartment in Tel Aviv. And I was really ready to let go of the studio. And I did, and we moved in December, and it was great, and I didn't miss it. And mm-hmm. in March, coronavirus hit, mm-hmm. and one of my mm-hmm. students came by text and said to me, would you consider teaching on Zoom, and we'll pay you. And I taught three times a week, starting mid-March, mm-hmm. um, for the first month at no charge, just because it was really absolute. it's like a this is your life, seeing all these people across the U.S., and a, a student in London, a friend in Paris and Israel. It's, it's crazy. It's yeah. amazing. Yeah. 
Uh, I just this week went down to two classes a week because it's nighttime for me. So it's interfering with dinner time and family time and going out and all that. And I will continue because it, we're in a whole new world and it doesn't interfere. It doesn't interfere with my work day at all, you know, at all. And it's just gratifying. It's just, you know, what you're saying, like, a lot of this can be so lonely. And so to have that interaction, I just sit up at my screen and I guide people. I use my words to guide them into poses and I watch and I correct them from thousands of miles away. Which is the sort of, especially, you know, the first month when there was so much chaos and uncertainty, the gift of it, the gift of doing something like that for others yeah. and, and for yourself as well. Because I, I saw with my wife, yeah. who's a Pilates instructor, she did the same thing. And people were like, people, couple people sent her flowers because they were so they were so affected just by having that one thing in their day of, yeah. day of chaos but um yeah so it's you know i think about that as well in terms of writing how how can we be writers um as gift givers you know what i mean a lot so much of the conversation about writing is about publishing it's about marketing it's about finding the reader meaning like grab them literally we talk about grabbing a reader in the in our work but how do we think about it the other way around like you were thinking about the yoga as a gift is there still room for that in the way we write today in what we're competing against I mean, I think people do it in all, I see it, people do it in all kinds of different ways. Like I've created a community, again, thank you to coronavirus. I've started a group, it's really was intended originally for my students here in Israel. And then I went to a very close friend from my MFA who lives on the opposite, lives in California where I'm from. And she also got out of the program and started teaching, which we're the only two that I know of. Most people are not teaching. Mm-hmm. And I said, I asked her if she wanted to do this with me. We created a group. We came up with a name. It's called Writers Near and Far. And we meet every Wednesday night, our time, Israel time. Again, we're capturing people across the U.S. and someone in London. And we give up. There's a lot going on behind the scenes. We're giving a, coming together and talking about a prompt that we want to give. And we give one prompt and then everybody writes to it during the week. And we come together. We introduce ourselves. We say where we are geographically. And then we're usually doing some kind of icebreaker, but it's, we're trying to keep it, you know, concise. And then whoever wants to read, reads, and we just listen. And it's, wow. we're just a That's community amazing. of people. Yeah, we're just coming together to listen. And it's, it's validating, it's, yeah. um, it's supportive, it's, it's community. Yeah. And it's people who wouldn't be, do, you know, we wouldn't be together otherwise. Now we're joking that we want to do a retreat. I mean, we're like 20 something people every Wednesday night and it's different faces, you know, not everyone can come. Mm-hmm. I think we have 50 names right now. So if everybody were to come, we would, you know, we wouldn't all be able to read because we're doing it within an hour. Mm-hmm. And it's, I, for, for me, all I see is the beauty of Zoom. So I'm using it right. in these ways and it's just, it's, it's incredible. Right. So I think there's always room to give. I think it just depends on figuring out how you want to do it. But it's, I think that's what you put your finger on is that if instead of looking for an audience, look for a community, you know, if you, because writers are struggling to be heard, that's the hardest part about it in a way. But if you, if you don't think of an audience and you do think of a community, then you can be heard and you can listen, which is, which is they go hand in hand. That's interesting. What, what is it for you as a writer, as an American in Israel? How does that work into the writing and even into the teaching 
you know, because you're, you're, and I mean, I'll speak for myself. I'm an outsider here, I still feel, even after this many years, 15, 16 years. And I don't, it's harder for me in a way to connect my writing to the place in a strange way, because I feel like it's not 100% my place. I still feel like I'm a bit of a tourist. How does that work for you in terms of Israel and your writing and teaching? So I'm a non I'm a nonfiction writer, I'm a memoir writer, and I use Israel. I mean, I consider Israel my muse. I write it as the outsider that I am. I completely embraced that package, and I use it and abuse it. Maybe you could say I've maybe you know kind of overused it. I I think I had a complete emotional switch about. I'm trying to think what year, three years ago, where I went from feeling uncomfortable as the outsider to understanding that I could be an American in Israel and I can be an American in America and I can be an American Jew when I want to be and I can be Israeli when I want to be and I can, I can pick and choose when I want to be what and I can have this kind of chameleon existence that can work for me rather than look at it as I have to, you know, break myself up and compartmentalize all my identities and it doesn't fit into one neat box. Who cares right. about the box? Right. And I've completely, completely embraced that otherness and I write about it and it figures into a lot of what I do. I don't know if well, I answered your question, but. Yeah, well you did. Um, and it also, it makes me think about almost something someone said to me, that there's a guy who is considered one of the really great book marketers and he's not a big PR, he's an in, independent guy, learned it by himself. He reinvented book marketing and it is for him about creating community. And I was talking to him and I asked him, let's say you're writing and your, your work spans genres. It's not just one thing. And how do you deal with that when you're talking to people about your work? And he said, when you're talking to a romance audience, you're a romance writer. When you're talking to a thriller audience, you're a thriller writer because there's all these things in all of our work and you just pull them out and you talk about how that topic connects to what you're doing. And in a way, it's kind of like that. It's kind of saying, you know, your core is intact. You don't have to worry about it, but this thing around it and you can just be a bit more flowing, which is amazing because I'm definitely not there, but it sounds like a better place to be. Uh, I think it's thanks thanks to writing a memoir that I got there. Honestly. Why? How (laughs) so? A deep, deep, deep look in and writing about, you know, finding home and finding it in the place I never expected to find it. You know, I was looking for it in the country. I was looking for it in the city. And, you know, I was at the time 52 when I understood what many people had understood many, many years ago, which was it's inside. But for, for reasons that you'd have to read the book to understand that, I didn't feel it inside all those years. And it took a lot of moves into the country and back to America and back and forth and a lot of writing and a lot of mm-hmm. other things to understand that it was inside all along. It wasn't about where we were trying to find the home. What's the and title? What's the title? Yeah. What's the what's the working title right now? Yeah. Okay, so there's a lot there's a lot of yoga in it. So the working title right now is Warrior Pose: Finding My Place in the Promised Land. Wow. That's good. I like that. Yeah. And where yeah. where are you in the process? 
in the procrastination part. So I've hired an editor. This would be editor number two, who is looking just at the structure because it's a super, super complex structure. And I'm not sure if it works or if it gets in the way mm -hmm. and I love it and I'm connected to it, but I'm not sure. And I hired this woman who's a total stranger, not Jewish, American, probably barely knows of Israel. And I, that's what I wanted, but I hired her because I really admire her writing. Mm. And I wanted someone who didn't know anything about where I was from to one, tell me if the structure works and two, tell me if it was engaging from page to page. And, but I, I could have avoided this step. I could have just said, okay, I'm ready to start looking for an agent. But I, I chose to hang on one more month. So I get the manuscript back at the end of the month. So mm -hmm. I'll get back to you, Ashley. <laughs> That's, um, you know, Seth Godin, the yeah. marketer, Seth Godin, Seth Godin is the guy who kind of invented present day marketing in all the best senses and in none of the bad senses, all the stuff about permission marketing, all the stuff about building tribes, building community. So he talks about in one of his books, he talks about something he calls the magic of the hallway, where you have finished a project, you go down the hall to walk into your boss's office. And you can just walk along, sing a song, be like, thank God this is done. Or you can take out the pencil and give it one last look while you're walking. And he said, that is where the magic happens. He's like, that, that magic of the hallway is where the thing starts to sing. And it's not an easy just decision to make it because you're so close and you know you kind of squeak away and get away with it. But to have kind of the fortitude to go back once more, or maybe more than once more, you don't know. Yeah. It's a I think it's essential. I think if you're really trying to make something that you want to last, you have to do it. Yeah. So, let you know. Please do. So tell, just tell me a little more about the next batch of writing, um, teaching, the next workshops and how you're, what's going forward. How I'm adapting to COVID-19. Yeah, COVID and even beyond <laughs> COVID. I mean, what's, let, let's imagine hopefully God willing, January, 2021, 20, it we're all right. under control. What's next in, in terms of that? So I usually teach one writer's summer writer's camp in August I usually, mm -hmm. or, or around, you know, travel schedule. And I usually teach it around my dining room table. And I really, really miss that. I think it's very much a face-to-face -face experience mm -hmm. and I can't, or, or I'm, I'm going to try to do that in July and see that I've got two people interested, but we're June, whatever, 8th or 9th, and mm -hmm. you know, it might not happen. Um, and so as an alternative to people who aren't comfortable coming together, I have an online, I have two virtual camps, one in July and one in August. Mm -hmm. And I, I did, I tested the waters twice this past month. So mm -hmm. I did a Zoom workshop. I had five people in America, five people in Israel, through a platform called Way to Stay, kind of like Airbnb experience. The idea being we can't travel anywhere right now. So while you're in your home place, look for offerings where you are. Look for cool mm. offerings where you are. That's cool. So I partnered with this platform. And in the end, the people who came were all people that I knew. But so five from America, five from Israel. It was a two-hour memoir class. It was mm. fun. It was fine. Yeah. And then I hosted an American writer who was supposed to be here in May teaching in my studio. She led a class on a workshop on etymology and she insisted on not charging money. So I did the marketing. I 
we got eight people. They, she used her writing on etymology. Everybody, including me, we read it. Then we all wrote something that she asked us to write. And then I collected everything. I put it into one document. I sent it back out to the, to the people. And we met on Zoom with her. Wow. And we, when she took turns and went around. So again, for free, a free offering. Sure. So it works on Zoom. It, it does. Yeah. I've, def, I've definitely taken writing classes online, not Zoom. I've taken with all kinds of different platforms. They're not live. I think live is essential. I think that the community, again, I'm all in it for the community. Right. And I think the community is essential. Right. And I'm really into crossing borders. And so I love the idea that both the class, both the workshops, the, the summer camps I'm doing July and August, they're evening here so that in case anyone from the States or Europe wants to join, they can join. Mm-hmm. You know, it works for them. And moving forward, I, I can't see beyond September. I have my first workshop at home in September with someone who was supposed to do it in April. We moved it to June. She wasn't comfortable coming, so we're doing it in September. And I just hope it happens. I can't really plan beyond that. I just, yeah, I just can't, you know. No, and and it's probably not worth trying at no. this point. You just have to accept the uncertainty and yeah. live with it and recognize that it's always there. That's, that's one of the things I I was kind of realizing early in this whole thing is that the uncertainty is there. We just are able to cover over it better when there's more routine. And now we just have to face it naked that it it's all uncertain. We don't know anything about anything. We just be there yeah well thank you this was really great thank you i appreciate it i'll send you eshkol nevo talks about because he you know he runs a writing school and he they switched totally to zoom and he didn't want hebrew in hebrew yeah and he didn't want to do it when he he was telling me he didn't want it but his partner convinced him to do it he said it was the best thing he ever did and Mm -hmm. not because it made his life more convenient but because he said it, it totally changed the dynamic. He said it, it taught him something about teaching that he'd never understood before. Mm-hmm. So I'll send that to you. I'm describing the interviews once it's hey, up. That's really neat. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Well, I'll look out for the next classes and workshops and, and doings, and I'll send you this. Thank cool. you. It's really neat. Great. Thank you, Jennifer. I appreciate it. Okay. Thanks. Talk okay. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening. If you like this episode, head over to theburningcastle.com to gain access to all interviews and tweet us at Burning Castle if you have feedback on this week's episode. Be sure to tune in for the next episode.